Hey, welcome to the Maturing in Manhood podcast. This is Dan. I'm Jonathan. And we are here with episode number seven. We've done six of these already. We are on the seventh. It has been uh, hotly demanded that we get a seventh episode going, John, after the last six. Has it? Yep. I didn't, I didn't hear that. Yep. You got to get out there, see the buzz. Huh? People are buzzing for this one. I'm this glad is, to hear it. Yeah, this is actually the last in a set. Our first set was going through a list of kind of character traits and virtues that uh, Paul was passing on to young church leaders, and it's all kind of what we're aiming to to uh, provide as we're thinking about giving offering wisdom for modern dads dudes and disciples and uh, your voice and my voice hopefully trusted and familiar enough to be beneficial to people who are uh, men who are kind of following along it reminds me of um, Titus chapter 2 verse 6 when when Paul is writing to the young church leaders and he says encourage the young men to live wisely so we are using podcast episode to do that mm-hmm. this nice modern medium as they say yeah, there are six virtues that uh, men of God should pursue according to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we have covered them in our recent episodes, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and now we are on gentleness. And the idea is that manhood and manly character isn't necessarily stereotypically manly things, right? Mm. So the idea is that the the traits of a masculine man aren't necessarily noticeable on the outside because they're rugged and ruddy and they do really, really hairy things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some of the more like apparent and obvious things according to our culture. But uh, Paul's giving us a different picture here, right, through these six characteristics. And certainly gentleness falls into that category, not something you would sort of pick up on your own and go, now that's a man. No. And it doesn't mean if you are ruddy and rugged that you aren't I'm, masculine, right? I'm uh, both ruddy and rugged. You are. And regal, another R. Regal, you've always struck me as regal and ruddy. And I'm striving for gentleness. I want, yeah. I want you to know that. Right, so we're on gentleness. This is the last of this set of character traits. And uh, gentleness, to be clear, we're talking about an expression of compassion that's seen in the way that God deals with the frail and the weak. So our idea of gentleness comes from the picture of God's nature and character, mm. that when he deals with frail and weak human beings, God does so uh, gently, and mm-hmm. that he actually expects that those who belong to him, believers, would deal with others in that same kind of gentleness. So sure. it kind of can denote both um strength because of course god has limitless strength in his omnipotence we would say but also it can denote just a level of vulnerability mm-hmm. so um what what do you think about this idea john that gentleness is even more meaningful if the person displaying it is capable of force or strength i mean you think of where the phrase gentle giant comes from yeah one of the things that's most striking about that is that here's a giant who could do something destructive but when they're gentle there's more significance yeah i mean the the ultimate picture of that the ultimate example of that would be would be god himself right um you know i thought you were gonna say the green mile (laughs) oh that guy yeah whoa that big dude who was super 
Yeah, he was a gentle, 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 gentle giant. giant. <laughs> uh-huh. He was indeed. Sorry, go ahead. No, but I just think of um, in terms of God's great capability and strength, and and we often talk about like, boy, if if I was him, uh, you know, my reaction to these knuckleheaded humans would probably be something like, you know, you like to say, just like flick them off the face of the earth, right? He has the power and he has the capability to do that. So. Uh, because of that, that makes the fact that he approaches us with such love and such gentleness and such kindness, which is what leads us to repentance. We'll talk about that. Uh, is it just makes it all the more incredible. Yeah. Right. If, if he didn't possess those capabilities of strength and ultimate power, right. His gentleness, uh, it, it would still be uh, uh, fine, but Certainly not as as powerful, right? Yeah, it wouldn't when, speak the same way, right? When a frail, weak um, creature is gentle, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, well, that's, that's expected. That, yeah. It's expected. Yeah, uh, I could, I, I could see that. And I mean, you do have to kind of interpret gentleness carefully, right? Because it could be understood as either positive or negative characteristic. On the one hand, kindness towards helpless, um, or purposeful and self-chosen powerlessness mm-hmm. is positive right but on the other hand gentleness could be interpreted as over sensitivity right uh, timidity mm. in the face of everyday life someone or something that shrinks back and is real um powerless mm-hmm. you know and that kind of explains our culture's mixed message when when you think about gentlemen in our culture, what does gentleman even mean? Does gentleman mean um, hypersensitive? Uh, when someone's a real gentleman, are they effeminate? Are they taking on um, female characteristics when they're when they're a gentleman, or are they being passive? Yeah. Right? Um, and on the other hand, are masculine men are they harsh? And if they're harsh, um, then would they be considered toxic? You know, by right. their arrogance and their domination and. You think of someone who's um, so here's the choices. You could either be gentle in our Mm -hmm. culture and Mm -hmm. perceived as weak and hypersensitive, Mm. or you could be masculine and perceived as harsh, toxic, controlling, condescending, abrasive, abusive. Interesting. Kind of an either or. Right. In our culture, to understand gentleness is to is to um, purge both of those very poor definitions, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. um, Otherwise, you know, you're only thinking it's either Braveheart and Gladiator, right? Or you're thinking that it's um, who would be a too gentle. Um, hmm. Nothing comes to my mind, but yeah. So, is gentleness a weakness? Right. That's that's the question. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, gentleness gentleness is always portrayed as a positive attribute of God and uh, kind of like a peaceable and controlled kindness. It's really the opposite of arrogance and domination. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And oftentimes when you read gentle in the scripture, John, and you're reading it as a as a description of positive characteristics, get this. It's often contrasted with harshness, wildness, drunkenness, violence, and self-serving greed. Yeah. So that's a, it's a, that is, those are some strong words. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. You've got um, in that contrast, you can see how uh, it would be important for someone who's maturing in their manhood to live in contrast to that. And the word that we're framing it, the contrast life of character is a life of gentleness, too. Right. right. And um, 
you know, have you seen that? When you think about the men in your life, yeah, what kind of, in contrast to those words, harshness, wildness, drunkenness, violence, self-serving greed, is gentleness? Who comes to mind yeah. in your life, uh, is inside your circle or outside your circle? Yeah, I had a very, uh, I mean, just a, a wonderfully terrific example of this in my grandfather. So my, my dad's dad, my dad is a very gentle guy, uh, and he really gets that from his father um, who um, lived to 101 years old. That entire time, my father tells me that he never heard him raise his voice one time. Mm. Um, I'm reminded of what, what Paul says in First Thessalonians 4 where he says, you know, you should pursue a quiet life. Yeah. You know, pursue a quiet life that where you sort of work with your hands and... Mind your own business. Mind your own business, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's very much who he was. And, and I have, um, just wonderful, wonderful recollections and memories of, of him. I mean, just watching him like make a sandwich. He had this, like he had a gentle sandwich maker. He was a, he was a gentle sandwich maker, but he did things with intention, you know, and he did things with a lot of purpose. But he did things like sort of methodically. He was he was not 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 slowly, but sort of methodically. Yeah. And so like he if he was gonna make you a sandwich, he would do it with um this level of like excellence. You could tell he was like putting a lot of energy. The mayo and, and went effort. to every corner on every purpose. Every corner. Yeah. You know? <laughs> he was a he was a Hellman's guy. You know, I got miracle whip at home, but Gramps uses used Hellman's, and I was like, "This is magical." That's just one of the many reasons so he was disappointed better. in his grandson. <laughs> but just, uh, <laughs> I mean, just ultimately, um, so humble, so gentle, and um, uh, the, the kind of guy that that you could just spend days and days with. And and obviously, you're not meaning fragile. Not at all. Yeah. No. That's not the at key, all. right? It's not like weak and fragile and purposeful. Yeah. But a dude who is like restraining his yeah. own, uh, yeah. or, or a man who has the ability yeah. to be powerful and persuasive, but he's. Yeah. I, I have this memory of um, a Sunday dinner, and my grandmother, his wife, used to get after him a lot. Was it was always like Frank, do this, Frank, do that. You know, it was just oh, I can like, you know, you know, constantly on him. And um, this this one day, she was just really going after him, one thing after another after another. He's got his whole family there, and he's kind of taking it, you know, quietly. And oh boy, eventually he tick, said, tick, tick, yeah, tick, 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 yeah, 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 tick, yeah. Tick, but tick. this is the kind of gentleness I'm talking about. It's not <laughs> passive aggressiveness. Right, right. It's aggressive aggressiveness. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just said, Betty, would you be quiet? <laughs> And my whole family erupted into applause. Are you kidding me? That's no. That's a true story. The whole family erupted into applause because he actually kind of like he just said what everybody was thinking. And you know what? She she quieted. She quieted right up. (laughs) Betty. (laughs) Betty was ready. That was awesome. That is amazing. I think about how about you? Yeah, my dad. My dad was very gentle, and in fact, uh, I think of my dad's natural instinct to be selfless. And uh, and to serve, and one of my most vivid memories of my dad is an ongoing picture of my dad slipping out to work early in the morning in the dark. It seemed like it was not always dark, but the only memory I have of my dad going to work is it's dark. Mm. And uh, and he would do so without a word, and he would do so so quietly. And the reason I know he was leaving is because I, my sister and I slept. Our bedroom was the living room. I had one couch, she had another couch, so I would always know when my dad was leaving. But it was like a mouse. Mm. 
And I've always interpreted that as I had a dad who was emotionally, physically, and spiritually gentle. And uh, he, too, would only have a harsh word from my mom every couple times a year. Mm. And it would always seem to be like a, you know, when my dad would raise his voice a little bit, it was like a bomb went off, mm. you know. Oh, but, so he, um, could, he could get there, but just not he, very often. Well, he would just raise his voice. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, wasn't out of control. And, yeah, gotcha. And, uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, and then as time goes on, I look back at kind of the, some of the complicated nature and in my parents' relationship, and I wonder mm. if some of that gentleness was a little bit of passive fear. Uh, I know there's different ways in which my dad was stepped on, and I just wonder sometimes if my dad was a gentle in ways that helped make the peace mm. or just was generally that was his disposition. Mm-hmm. Either way, I had a gentle dad who brought me up in a in a primarily gentle home. So when I get around uh, a particular group of family members who are from the culture in which it's loud and it is you can say italian go ahead no i, I don't think that's all italian. you said you, from the culture that's yeah, loud right you if can, you are hypersensitive about that then that's you that's on you <laughs> but really any culture that by ethnicity um sure talks over each other and and whatever it takes a bit of getting used to because my in in my in, in fact we even dealt with conflict very gently which is never mm. which was very gentle mm. yeah until my mom would blow a gasket and then you're like uh oh you know enough of sweeping this under the rug because now right. it's exploding but right 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 um but i would say general generally my takeaway was very positive in that i could see gentleness in in my dad's tenderness and mm-hmm. and also my dad had an interesting way of reacting to anything that he found valuable and meaningful in his faith. And we talked about the work of the Holy Spirit. We talked about who Jesus was. My dad would tear up like on a, on a, um, spontaneously Hmm. pretty consistently. Hmm. And, um, but you know, growing up in a household of faith means that we got to hear about, learn about, think about God quite often. Yeah. And, the gentleness of God is a major theme in scripture in which, uh, God by by his gentleness mm-hmm. is known to deal with the wayward people mm-hmm. people you think about all the old testament how many times we talked about the old testament and you really just come around to the same message god threatens to exercise mm-hmm. with his authority judgment right deserved judgment and then he relents yeah it's yeah. over and over and over again and then he instead. relents right yep and especially in the way he dealt with the wayward, you know, and I, it, it it strikes me too that even Paul says that it's God's gentleness that leads to repentance, right? His kindness leads to repentance, mm-hmm. um, and and that that to me is fascinating that that his kindness leads to repentance rather than his judgment and his harshness and his threats and his. Uh, and his might and his power and all that is important, but yeah, he attempts to move too. someone by their by his gentleness. It's so true, yeah, and it's interesting too because I think it's I think it's right to have a healthy fear of God, right? But he doesn't say it's the fear of me that's going to lead you to repentance, right? You know, it's his it's his kindness, it's his great love, um, that uh, really ultimately I think appeals to us. And, um, and, and leads us in a different direction. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the very beginning of wisdom, right? And by fear, we kind of submit ourselves. But what brings us to really wholehearted repentance is that God's grace is beyond what we deserve. I mean, just, it's shockingly undeserved. Yes. Yeah. And that brings us down to 
a level of humility, I think. And Jesus, he fulfills um, prophecies way beyond, you know, his symbolic, the way he enters into Jerusalem, right? And he does so gentle mm-hmm. and his riding. And this is in Matthew. He's, he's, he, he, approach, he approaches Jerusalem where something chaotic and painful is going to happen. And he doesn't do so, you know, in this heroic arrival, like the Avengers landing on the planet after soaring through space and they come crashing down and they punch the ground in that stance, you know, and then yeah. look up. Jesus instead rides on a donkey and he does so gently. Uh, And then he calls his followers to take his yoke on their shoulders and he describes himself as gentle and humble. Right. uh, Who provides comfort and rest. Amazing. It is. And um, certainly in Matthew 21 here, Jesus is describing the character and nature of himself and ultimately God. And so um, there's an awful lot that he told us about himself, right? Um, but I find that this particular text is is just one of the most poignant uh, portions of Scripture. Uh, and I think Jesus is choosing his words very, very carefully here. But he says, uh, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And here it is. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does that mean that he's gentle? Well, I think the first thing that that means is that he doesn't deal harshly with us, right? Yeah. Harshness says you messed up. You're really going to get what you deserve here. You're going to get exactly what you deserve, which is what our, our culture would say, right? But, but gentleness is something different, right? And it's very much tied to mercy, which is you know what happens when we don't get what we deserve. We are expecting right. something. We got, we got something completely different. Uh, instead yeah he doesn't supercharge it with anger right that's right condemnation yep and then that word lowly too i i I like to think of that as um sort of a synonym with the word approachable yeah it's good approachable so think about that how is it that the most powerful being in the universe can simultaneously be the most approachable yeah so and we've talked about this many times, and there's a there's a wonderful song that um, that we like to to use in reference to this by John Mark McMillan, "The Road, the Rocks, and the Weeds." But he talks about how, like, uh, you know, the, these ancient gods, these Greek gods, Greek Greek and Roman gods, like Zeus and Hades and Athena, like those those gods were found on the mountaintops. Yeah, unapproachable. Unapproachable, right? They're 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 completely separate from, but. Instead, we've got a God who we find um, in the dirt and on the road with us and in sort of the weeds of life. And um, boy, a, that is so compelling. What an image. And it's so uniquely Christian. It is. It's so uniquely Christian. A God who um, is with. Is with. Yeah. And not only is with, but suffers alongside of. Crazy. That is truly uh a stunning component of our faith. And uh, it's, it's actually one of the things that draws me most to Christianity. Totally, yeah. And it, and it, 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 it says to me that Christianity is true. Yeah. You know, it's so, because of it, its distinction, it's distinct. It's so unique. Um, and that's just the kind of thing that humans don't, they don't make up, right. They don't, they don't, if you're, if you're creating a story about a yeah. God, you don't bring him down into the rocks and the weeds. Yeah. And he doesn't suffer along with you. No. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and it reminds me of this, uh, a woman who was in 
the weeds, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. She was in the in the dirt, so to speak, as you referred to, and it's the woman who was caught in adultery, and she gets yeah. paraded out by all the power people, right? All the self righteous religious rulers. They they run her in front of the crowd, not just in front of Jesus, but in front of a crowd. And he says that the law says that she should be punished, you know, severely punished. And they say to Jesus, what do you say should happen to her? And Jesus, of course, just overflows. He dips into his gentleness to care, mm-hmm. care front her, right? right he, yeah, he, good he confronts her with care and he care fronts her, right? So the accusers are making her sin public, but Jesus makes his care for her very private. Mm-hmm. And yet he confronts them publicly. So that he's like, if you're going to make this public, then let's deal with this publicly. But I'm not going to confront her publicly. I'm going to do, I'm going right. to confront your self righteousness publicly. Right. And then he has one of the most famous rebukes in history, which I try to I try to use this at home on a daily basis because I love this phrase. Let him who has no sin throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a legendary response, right? Go ahead and condemn her, throw your stones. But I want the person who has no sin. You go first. And they yeah. slowly, this is a great description. You'll yeah. see this description in Mark. They, 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 they drop their rocks yeah. and walk away. And then, this is what I love, his gentleness comes flowing out of him when he says to her, where are your accusers? Mm-hmm. They're nowhere. And he says, and I don't accuse you either, but go and sin no more. Right, so which is the repentance side of right, it. Exactly, right, exactly, right? You are not going to be condemned, but I'm calling you to repentance. That's right. And I'm with you. I'm not accusing you. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. And I want you to go and live free from this adultery and free from the, the whatever kinds of sin have, yeah. has ensnared you. But again, so he is gentle in his dealing with her who is trapped in sin and has been accused. But he's publicly confronting those who are self-righteous. And you see this strength being kind of like used very, very um, gently by, by Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love that. And at home, I've I've kind of tried to make this application at home, which is to confront my kid's sin privately mm-hmm. and not do it publicly and make a big spectacle in the home. When, For sure. And I'm always drawn back to this proverb that says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And essentially, that doesn't just mean don't hit your kids until they're angry. It means don't humiliate them, don't intimidate them or threaten them to the point where you're driving them to the emotion of anger and mm-hmm. resentment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that just comes from dealing publicly with their sin or dealing harshly with their sin. and uh, provoking them. And so I see gentleness as a massively important aspect of disciplining and loving children well, because gentleness allows you to avoid provoking them to resentment mm-hmm. and anger, which mm-hmm. breaks down the walls of trust and credibility. That's good. And you think about Proverbs 15:1, another one of my favorites, a gentle answer deflects anger but harsh words make tempers flare, right? So a lot of times just your response to kids and your response to your spouse really does diffuse or deflect anger and and, uh, it kind of cultivates a lot more warmth and connectedness. It does, yeah. I think it starts with our response to our kids. I've, I've noticed that when my kids get heated, it's it's most likely because I'm heated, Mm. right? They're just reacting. They're reacting and responding to to where I'm already at. So it makes a lot of sense. It does. What um, you, um, your anti-gentleness triggers Mm -hmm. at home, when you're the least gentle version of yourself, which is probably rarely. Yeah. What, um, what sparks it? It is pretty rare, but when it does happen, it, 
it certainly leaves an impression and you know my kids can articulate that and certainly not in like some kind of crazy like abusive like i'm throwing things and yeah because this would be a weird place to confess that yeah yeah would i would never confess that to the brethren (laughs) (laughs) via podcast no 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 um but yeah i i you think about those sort of jumping up to red line kind of quickly moments and uh certainly disrespect is is one of those things right direct deliberate disobedience where yeah. you're you're sort of expecting something or asking for something and and you know your wife's child is like i i'm not <laughs> doing that i'm not doing that and there's nothing you can do to to make me do it and then the other one for me is uh disrespect towards mom that's oh, a yeah. that's a tough that's yep. a tough pill to swallow because that protector instinct yeah kicks in yeah it does it does and i i mean we're very big on and megan talks about this a lot she's a big kindness proponent and um so when we see um unkindness that that's happening between the siblings um we're really quick to to showstopper to to put an end put an end to it not not even so much to us i think we probably tolerate it better when it's when it's sort of a back and forth with us and the kids but when it's happening between them and there's this sort of unloving a little bit of name calling some accusations you know uh just unkind words we have very very low tolerance for that which is a good thing um, you know, as long as it doesn't, it doesn't set you off. If yeah. you deal with it with kindness and, and with gentleness in return, right. um, hopefully that leaves a, leaves a mark. It does. Yeah. The, um, not only inside the home, uh, we as believers are to reflect God's gentleness, but there's so many scriptures that say outside the home, you're supposed to deal with people. When you correct wayward people and reasoning with unbelievers, it ought to be kind and gentle and winsome in caring for the weak. And then there's so many passages of scripture that refer to the gentleness that's required of leaders who are leading in the church. And uh, gentleness requires a bit of stooping down, a willingness to submit, like uh, kind of that of a lamb being led to slaughter, which Mm. Jesus demonstrates such strong gentleness. And, um, you know, in some ways it's kind of like meekness where you have supreme might, but you restrain it. Mm -hmm. There's a meek, there's a word called meek. And, uh, and, and gentle is very similar to that, but, Mm -hmm. um, most of it requires a level, most gentleness requires a level of humility and, um, a generous hearted attitude towards other people. And I think that's a, that's kind of a, a, an aspect of someone who is maturing in their manhood. They're learning to live a life of gentleness by restraining their strength, not pretending it doesn't exist, Mm -hmm. not, uh, not resenting their strength their god-given strength but learning to restrain it and replace it with um kind-heartedness and um yeah and so on i love that so the challenge that gentleness re- represents uh or presents to the christians really is a difficult one and it's and it's really to be as a believer that you're imitating jesus's gentleness mm-hmm. and um uh, so the next time we get together on podcast episode number eight, mm-hmm. we will be starting something that's called the five shifts of manhood and essentially summarizing some of the work that John Tyson has done on the topic of fatherhood and on yeah. the topic of 
the stages of adolescence, and that comes mm-hmm. from some of the research that his, he's done. So we're looking forward to getting started on that. So the yeah. next episode, we'll start on shift number one of manhood. Mm-hmm. Should be good. It's such good material, and uh, we'll do our best to sort of link all of our listeners over to John's material as well. Yeah. Uh, it's I've been sharing it with as many dads as I can think of um, because it's really it's material that, I mean, a couple of weeks ago I was mowing the grass listening to a podcast with John on it, and he's sharing those five shifts. And as he's working through them, I, I just couldn't help but feel like if I only had this, you know, yeah. if I only had this 10 years ago. Right. Um, and, of course, we, we, <laughs> yeah, we thanks, we're, we're our harshest, we're our harshest critic. Right. I mean, I'm not. If John Tyson would have released it sooner, I know that lazy schlub. What a turd! In the meantime, what are you making, John? Um, I am. So we're in the process of uh, kind of remodeling our laundry room. You ever do? You ever laundry think about your laundry space? I do. Uh, (laughs) Every now and then, I see it when I'm. I think it's it's a bit of a modern (laughs) convenience. It is a bit of a modern preference that it's a nice space. It used to be all you needed was a washer and dryer in the basement. Yeah. It's not that way That's anymore. Have, thanks, yeah. thanks, Pinterest, and thank you, uh, Instagram. That might be why when you said you were making a laundry room remodel, I just, I had no words. You were like, what is Stunned. What even is that? <laughs> I know. I've, it, you know, it's going to require two new machines. We've got old machines that uh, won't die. Yeah. <clears throat> but they're small, so you know um, we want to upgrade those and then p- put some new flooring down. We're gonna there's some cabinets in there already. We're gonna repaint and repaint the walls, so it's gonna be kind of minimal, um, but a nice, brighter, you know, more a little bit more usable space that um, both Megan and and I will hopefully enjoy being in more. Yeah, nice uh, opportunity, nice space to restore some dirty clothes, yeah, Getting fresh and smelling good. Yep, love That's- it. That's what we're doing. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to uh, podcast episode seven. We're looking forward to being together soon in episode number eight. Until then, um, hope this helps you grow and mature in manhood. Thanks, friends. <laughs>